Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts What is going on, everybody? John Middlecop, that's me, 3 and Out Podcast, that's what you're listening to. Appreciate everyone for tuning in, and we are off and running on a on a really busy day. I'm recording this on Monday. Uh, we got a lot of moving parts here. The Dallas Cowboys woke up this morning. I, I don't know about you, I, I didn't expect to, I mean, they were just stringing Jason Garrett out, and then all of a sudden they have a coach, and it's Mike McCarthy, L- little... Shocked might be the word. Not that we'll dive into that right off the top, but I don't know. I, I didn't see that one coming, at least this fast. Pat's dynasty, is it over? Uh, and just some thoughts on just that franchise, wildcard weekend. As I record this on Monday, it feels like Houston, the Buffalo game, the first game of the weekend, feels like three weeks ago. I mean, so much has happened since then. It's wild how fast everything goes by and just the impact of every game if you play first you just kind of forget it's just it's wild how that works uh the divisional round I'll look ahead a little bit some things that jump out pretty good matchups some some really good matchups some really good quarterbacks and then some headlines of Sean McVay firing coaches to Atanga Bailoa uh declaring for the draft the Browns interviewing Brian Dable they're interviewing everybody and their mother. Josh McDaniels is going to take some bunch of interviews. 
So we got we got a lot going on. That's the great part about the NFL is the coaching cycle is just it's big time for business. At least in my business, if you're a fan and you need a coach, it's just it's cool. It, it's a it's a cool time. And then of course, Middlecoff Mailbag at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Same as my Twitter handle. My Instagram DMs wide open. You can slide right in them and ask me anything you want. That's how I interact with you guys. You just we're modern day podcasting. Slide up into those DMs, answer your questions here. I'm going to start doing some stuff on YouTube. I, I got a YouTube channel, John Middlecoff, just, just doing like a take, maybe a couple thoughts throughout the week, uh, and just probably focus on one thing, but I'm going to be much more active on, on YouTube in 2020. Uh, so if YouTube's your thing, find me there. But let's start with the Cowboys. And one, listen, I, I said it earlier, I didn't expect this to happen. I, I don't know why. Maybe I thought McCarthy would end up with the Cleveland Browns. I didn't expect him to be the Dallas Cowboys. But after it happened, and I kind of took a deep breath, and you kind of like let it process in your head, it makes sense. I don't know that many super wealthy people, but the ones that I do mainly are older. Like I don't, I don't have like multi-millionaire friends that are in their 30s. Uh, some friends that are doing well, maybe maybe have a million, I don't know. But I'm talking like multi-millionaires, like super people that you would just consider rich. And those people in my life, and I'm not even that close with them, but just spend some time around them, would be all 65 plus. Multiple of them are in their 70s. And I was thinking about it today. The one thing to me they all have in common is they're not patient men. They're not patient men at all. And you could argue, like, I'm not patient. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm not some millionaire. And, and I think a lot of just, you know, alpha males don't have that much patience. But definitely the older you get, the limited amount of patience you're going to have. When when you're in your 20s or your 30s or even your 40s, you're not like, there's not a finite, at least in your own mind, time on your life. You just feel you have a lot of time left. Like, I'm 35. I live to 70. I'm already halfway in. Like, if I die at 70. Hope, you know, knock on wood, I can go that far. Uh, hopefully 80, who knows? But I, I'm already halfway into this journey. Where Jerry Jones, I mean, the dude's not just on the back nine. He might be on hole 17. Who's to say that he has got five more years left? Patience, because you got, well, you kept Jason Garrett for the last week, and then you just have one interview with Mike McCarthy, and you hire him? How, how the hell does that work? I'll tell you how, how it works. He doesn't have time. He's not trying to overthink this. And he meets Mike McCarthy. All of a sudden, Mike McCarthy starts telling about his accomplishments. He's won 125 regular season games. For example, Jason Garrett has 85 wins. This guy has 40 more wins. Jason Garrett, who has five, been in five playoff games, this guy's been in 18 playoff games. Jason Garrett was 2-3 and three in the playoffs. This guy has 10 playoff wins. So this guy has five times as many playoff wins as Jason Garrett. Now, we've all made fun of Mike McCarthy and his stale offense over the years, but when he sat down with Jason or Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, and started just talking about his accomplishments, what he's learned, how he's taken the year off, which I'm sure was a benefit when he was talking to Jerry, how he had to do some introspection, look in the mirror, know what he needs to improve on, knows what he needs to keep, knows the philosophies he have. I could, I understand why Jerry Jones goes, you know what? This is easy. This just makes sense. I don't even need to look any other place. Because it does feel like, now maybe there's a chance, I'm not naive, to not think that these guys have been working the back channels and have talked to Mike McCarthy during the season. Because I do think at this point it would be a little naive, despite how much they love Jason, that they weren't sniffing around. Because their actions, despite what they said, and even despite not firing Jason Garrett officially till what, Sunday morning? He was on, his contract was ending. 
So in their minds, they had already believed that they were kind of moving on. But then I think you start looking at, well, why didn't they hire Lincoln Riley or go after Lincoln Riley? And maybe they worked the back channels to find out if he'd be interested. You know what they were not going to do? They were not going to interview Lincoln Riley with an unknown whether he'd take their job or not, offer him the job, and then have him say no. Because one thing, if you say, okay, John, you said the old people are very impatient. Here's the other thing I would say that old, especially successful people are. They're very prideful. Because in, in Jerry's mind, he's done this all with his own hands. Now, we all know in the 90s when they won Super Bowls, Jimmy Johnson was the reason that they won Super Bowls. But Jerry goes, well, everyone around the country could have had the balls like me to invest everything I had to buy the Cowboys in 89, develop this brand over a 30-year run. Hell, we haven't even won, and we're the biggest brand in the NFL over the last 20 years. It's because of me. So I'm going to have Lincoln Riley, who's been a head coach for three years, potentially turn me down? No chance. None. Uh, That wasn't going to happen. He knew that Mike McCarthy, if he offered him the job, was going to accept. Now, when you take a step back... I don't think, see how anyone could argue this is not a major upgrade over Jason Garrett. Now, if I wanted to counter that argument, you'd go, well, yeah, John, it's a huge upgrade because Jason Garrett was probably a below average coach. And Mike McCarthy, good coach, but the last couple years had fallen on really hard times with a really good quarterback. And then you get rid of Mike McCarthy, you bring in LaFleur and this new staff, and they go 13-3 and and they're the number two seed. Not that much has changed, though they added the two Smith brothers, but for the most part, the core group of that team just returned. New coaching staff, they added best defensive player in the offseason is Darius Smith. But, you know, I I don't mind it. I'm not going to throw some parade, though I get it. Because I, I said all season long, Jerry Jones would have cut a check, a $100 million check, to just whoever if that meant the Cowboys could win a Super Bowl with Jason Garrett. So he could just stay with Jason Garrett. Because that was easy. And at his point in life, no patience, prideful. He just wants it to work. All he wants to do is win another trophy before they bury the guy underneath the ground. And I'm not rooting for I hope Jerry lives another 10 years. But the odds would show us, once you get in your late 70s, especially that generation that wasn't healthy for a large majority of their life, And, you know, Jerry likes to drink a little bit. But, hey, you know, sometimes they say only the good die young. You go, Jerry just doesn't know. So this gives him the lowest risk. That was the other thing. Was Jerry really, like Lincoln Riley, let's say Lincoln Riley would have said yes. That is still a major, major risk. He's been a head coach total in his life for three seasons, maybe four, whatever. But a short period of time. It's not like he has extensive experience being a head coach. And he's never worked in the NFL. So this notion, it would have been a really sexy hire. And everyone on Twitter would have applauded, including probably myself. Like, damn, Jerry just closed another deal. But I'd say 50-50 chance that it would not work at all. Look at Chip Kelly. Now, personalities are much different. And Chip Kelly did have success when he first came into the league. But ultimately, he had no NFL experience. The coaches that he brought with him were not good enough to overcome as they needed to adapt, and he couldn't. Now, you could say that, John, well, have you seen on the Twitter.com that they say that Mike McCarthy is bringing with him Mike Nolan to be his defensive coordinator? And I'd go, I don't love that. Because that, that gets back to friends hiring friends. And that is kind of the way the world works. 
you'd be naive to think any other way. I mean, that's just people hire who they know for the most part. People are very comfortable in that situation. In football, no different than normal business because it's the easy route. But hiring Mike Nolan, because back in the day, I think in 05, Mike Nolan named Mike McCarthy the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. So 15 years later, Mike Nolan's kind of been exposed over the years. He's a position coach probably at best. McCarthy hiring, again, as recording this, it looks like that's where it's trending. I would red flag that. I I don't love that at all. I don't love that. I actually hate that. Come on, Mike. You can be better than that. Uh, I would say the positives when you're looking at Mike McCarthy, you go, he's a grown-up. He has had success. He has ran an enormous... Like, he didn't have success for Jacksonville. He was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. The top five brand in the country. Now, the pressure's a little different because you don't answer to owners. But I've been to Packer games against the Niners, against the Eagles, against the Raiders. These are I've never been to Lambeau. I've just seen them play many places at other spots. Fan base is massive. And it's it's a big-time franchise. Now, the Cowboys are probably the cream of the crop, but this guy's used to running a big-time franchise and winning with a big-time franchise in a tough guy division. So he checks a lot of boxes of previous success, experience, uh, winning. Uh, he, he really does. A guy that can run an offense, a guy that's called plays, a guy that should and will call plays moving forward. I think the negatives would be his downfall in Green Bay over the years was he stuck with Dom Capers forever. And remember Jim Harbaugh, and they kicked his ass. And their defense was awful. And now he's going to hire Mike Nolan. Don't love that. Uh, I think another knock is his offenses can be a little vanilla. When you look at the offenses that are having success in 2020, and even the, you know all season in 19, pretty exotic stuff. What the Ravens are doing, what Andy Reid's doing, what Kyle Shanahan's doing. That's This is not the vanilla days. Now, everything's cyclical, and could it come back into vogue again, being vanilla on offense? Just three yards? Probably not. Usually, we don't work backwards. That's not how society or football works. So, maybe he's really adapted and uh, uh, adopted new schemes and new philosophies in this offseason. I know that he went on that PR campaign with NFL Network. And really, I think that PR campaign with NFL Network was much more suited for other owners like Jimmy Haslam. How can Jimmy Haslam kind of sell a vanilla coach to his fan base? Because he's talking about analytics, because he's talking about adding wrinkles to his offense. To me, that wasn't for Jerry Jones. To sell Jerry Jones, you're going to have to sit down with him and sell him. And it was probably pretty easy. Mike McCarthy goes, well, I'm a Super Bowl champion. I have 40 more wins than the guy you're just firing. I've been in 18 playoff games. Jason Garrett's been in five. So I've been in more than triple the amount of playoff games. And I've beat a lot of really good coaches over the last 10 years. Uh, check check the resume. Check the Google.com, Jerry. And Jerry, who is a risk taker, a lifetime risk taker, I think the older you get, the richer you get, the less patient you get, and the less riskier I think you get as well. Because what Jerry can't afford, with time not being on his side, is a risky blow-up. Now, does Mike McCarthy win another Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys? Odds would be no. Because in the history of the NFL, how many coaches have won Super Bowls with multiple franchises? Now, if he did, and you've won a franchise, you've won a Super Bowl with the Packers, and you've won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, you're a legend. You're not just you're you're a legend and you're a Hall of Famer. Think about that. But I don't think Jerry could afford to like even Urban Meyer, who I've said over and over, I question some of the stuff. You know, he's a little full of BS sometimes, but he's an elite coach. 
But there is no guarantee that it would work in the pros. Probably would, but it might not. I know Mike McCarthy works in the pros. I know it because I've seen it. And it worked for a long period of time at one of the top franchises in the league. So it is, despite it kind of coming out of nowhere, because it did for me, as I sit here on Monday talking about it, I, I understand where Jerry's coming from. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together, we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Okay, let's let's dive into the Pat's Dynasty. And I see a lot of people celebrating on their graves. I do not blame any fans, non-Patriot fan, for enjoying the Patriots losing in the first round. I, I don't. I completely understand. If you're a Steeler fan, Titan fan, Chiefs fan, Raven fan, whatever, any fan, you you're tired of them. I get it. 
I I completely understand where you're coming from. I also think it shows they lost in the first round of the playoffs, and it feels like their their franchise ended. Shows you the standard. I, to me, only only Alabama and and even more the Patriots because Alabama hasn't won the national championship every year. It is legitimately Super Bowl or bust for the Patriots. That's their standard. No one else in sports can say that. I mean, not even Tiger Woods at this point, like major or bust. Not really. You know, if Tiger just plays well, it's cool. It's the Patriots, it's Super Bowl or bust. And they didn't win it. But I do have a problem with the media, people in the media, especially people in the sports media, and that's mainly who I'm talking about, like enjoying this. Like, do you guys understand the economics of how important the Patriots are? to everything that goes on in sports. They've been doing this for 20 years. Do you know what sports is? It's one big television show. And I I profit off it just by talking about the characters in the television show. McCarthy, Jerry, Belichick, Brady, Cousins, the Vikings, the Niners. They're all just characters. Teams, players, coaches, owners. They all play a role in everything we talk about. And I was thinking about it today. I did not have Netflix till a buddy told me, bro. Maybe Colin was talking about it, but I had gotten a couple texts from friends. I remember years ago, like, you got to check this thing out called House of Cards. I'm like, House of Cards? Netflix, isn't that where they send you DVDs? Like, no. You just, it's this app. You can stream stuff. I'm telling you, House of Cards is awesome. So I remember getting the Netflix app, paid at the time, it was like $6.99 or whatever. And House of Cards was already on like season three by then, maybe two. And I just remember binge watching, watched every single episode in like 48 hours. Best show I'd like ever seen. I was like, this is unreal. Watched the whole, watched all four seasons. And, you know, they ended up coming out. And like most people, it was a badass show. And then all this stuff came out about Kevin Spacey. Bad guy, pedophile, just complete scumbag. Like deserves probably to be in jail. I mean, if the things are true, he should go to jail. And then if you watch like some stuff that goes viral on him, Kevin Spacey's just a weirdo. A weirdo on top of being, you know, probably a criminal. So he couldn't be on the show anymore. And they came out with season five without Kevin Spacey. And you're like, well, his wife, Claire, sweet character. I think it'll still kind of work. His little assistant, the bald dude, still going to be sweet. You know what season five without Kevin Spacey? And Netflix, I don't blame them. They, They could not have him back on the show. But that, to me, that show is what put Netflix on the map. Season 5 was terrible. The, 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 season, the, the show ended. It was over. Because House of Cards was not carried by all these characters. It was carried by Kevin Spacey. It turns out Kevin Spacey was the show. Now, I don't think the Patriots are the NFL. The Cowboys rate, the Niners rate, the Eagle. There are a lot of teams. But there is not a team in the NFL that consistently, if you ask someone, you will get a distinct answer. They either admire and love the Patriots or they hate the Patriots. It's like Howard Stern. You either love them or you hate them, but you care about them. It's the number one thing in media. You never want, it's like the friend zone with a girl. If you're in the friend zone with a listener, you're screwed because they ain't even going to tune in. If they hate, they hate you or they love you, you got them. And the Patriots, unlike any team in my life, and I, I say this all the time, the, the explosion of the NFL, I think the two most important people about the explosion of the NFL, when I was born in 1984, the NFL was big when I, in the 90s when I was a kid. 
You had Young and Jerry and Favre and Aikman. The 90s was good. In the 2000s, and part of it was the world changed, the internet became big, the NFL exploded. And clearly these last 10 years has reaped profits unseen to most of these guys. I mean, not out of nowhere because they had been making money, but it went to a whole different level. You know, guys worth a couple hundred million became billionaires. And what Magic and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan meant to the NBA. The NBA was dead. Magic Larry created this great buzz, these great rivalries, and they took kind of the country by storm. And then Michael carried that flag and took it to another level. Or what Tom Brady and Peyton Manning did. And really, unlike Peyton Manning, Brady is tied with Belichick. Like That's part of his story. So it was Brady, Belichick versus Peyton. And in the 2000s, it was a rivalry. I was always a Peyton guy earlier, early on in his career. And then as I got to work in the NFL, I just admired Brady. Now, I still admire Peyton, and they're both badasses. But those two guys, from basically the early 2000s, up until still to this day, because Brady, even though Manning had to retire a couple years ago, has kind of kept it going. And unlike Manning, where... Most people, I think, respect him and thought he was good. You could nitpick his playoffs, which I've always thought he left a little to be desired. There was nothing like on the fence about the Patriots. They were 20 years of doing some shady shit and kicking everyone's ass and going to countless Super Bowls and winning six of them and having Deflategate and Spygate and Brady got suspended four or four games. Uh, Belichick just being kind of a dick. And you can't even make up the storylines that were associated with this franchise. Now, they happen like the Saints had it, right? That With the Bounty Gate once upon a time. But it happened a year, and then it just kind of went away. And then they just kind of became normal again. With the Patriots, one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. Weird things happening. And they create... I could walk down the street right now and ask someone, what do you feel about Belichick? What do you feel about Brady? And I would invoke a response. And just emotion. And I, I would imagine a lot of people like, I, I'm glad they lost. Want them to go away. And a lot of people would be like, those guys are badasses. I like them. And I'm not, these wouldn't even be Patriot fans. That is very, very important to the sport of football. Because if I walked around right now, the NBA, which is in the tank, in the tank, said, what do you think of Carl Anthony Towns? You know what most casual sports fans would look at me? Who? Who's that? What is that? Huh? Like, the NBA has, like, one of those. It's LeBron. Maybe Harden. But, really, the NFL is on a, you know, exponentially bigger level in terms of reach in this country. The amount of people that consume it. And the Patriots, like the Cowboys, are the most consumed team. Because we all have an opinion on the franchise. So, everyone... I'm not hoping they break up. I hope that they stay together. And, really, it would be Brady leaving, we think. Obviously, now, Belichick can't go to the Cowboys. It would definitely be Brady Lee. I don't want it to happen. It's good for my business. It's good. It just interests me. And I know it interests you. I know it interests everyone. 30 million people start to finish highest rated game of this of this decade. Happened. Patriots against the Titans. Against the Titans. 30 million people watched. I don't I these all these people in the media, like, I'm so I want them to go away. You guys are idiots. I get why fans. But if you make your money off football or sports, you got, it's like, I can't wait for the Warriors to go away. You see the NBA without the Warriors? It's like, I'd rather watch paint dry. 
I'm not saying now. I'm not saying that the NFL would be screwed without these guys because clearly other teams matter. It's it's marketed differently. They're not as dependent on one franchise, but it would take a hit. It really would because these guys have 20 years of equity and 20 years of controversy and winning and stories that you just can't make up. Like part of Michael Jordan's legacy was he was in our lives for a long period of time and crazy things happened. From him getting his ass kicked by the bad boy Pistons, from him finally getting over on the Pistons and them not shaking his hands and then beating Magic, to then a couple years later him being the biggest star in America and his dad is found dead in a ditch and then he leaves basketball, he goes plays baseball and then he comes back and he loses. It was like Michael had a long history of just crazy things happening. Kind of like the Patriots. And that stuff, it's hard to duplicate. Like, for as great as Aaron Rodgers is, first ballot Hall of Famer, and Russell Wilson, they're just not as interesting as the Patriots to the casual fan. So if this is, if that was it, on Saturday night, losing to the Titans, kind of getting, you know, props to Vrabel kind of worked them. Derrick Henry ran it down his throat. We'll get into the games a little later. I'm going to miss them. And everyone in sports media should should miss them too because they will be missed. Now, if you're a Jets fan, if you're a Bills fan, a team kind of on the come, you should applaud it. You should want Brady to leave. And if my gut, if I had to guess right now, I do think after Brady canvasses everything, if Robert Kraft just doesn't allow Belichick to lowball him, I think he'll be back. I would lean probably 60-40 he's back. But that 40% is still a pretty big percentage of like he might leave. And if he leaves, I know this, I'll be sad. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. 
and then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Okay, let's, uh, let's dive into the games that just got played. And just some things that I jotted down, some, uh, some notes that I made. And just thoughts that I have. I'm not going to spend too much time because by the time you're listening, I mean we're already on a divisional round. You know, in this in this world, in the way society works, you can't, you just can't look back. You got to look forward. And that's the tough part about doing a podcast on Tuesday with some of these games that happen on Saturday. But it's the NFL, so we we can do it. Houston Buffalo. The way that game started, incredible opening drive by the Buffalo Bills. The sweet play with Josh Allen running like a quarterback sweep power. And then hit that trick play where Josh Allen scores, and they're up 16 nothing. And it, if you've watched the Houston Texans, they are a basketball team. They got two dudes. And when Fuller's playing, they got three. Now, J.J. Watt's back, but I, I don't see a snap count. He, he played, what, probably 20 snaps? And he had a big sack. He actually kind of got him going. But they are an NBA basketball team. They are, they are carried by two stars. And Watson was off. Hopkins couldn't get the ball. But the second half, especially down the stretch, those two guys heat up. And when 4 and 10 get going, they can play with anybody. 4's been doing it. I, and I got TV on in the background. Clemson highlights are playing. He was winning natties against Saban with stacked teams. Against stacked teams. He's a playmaker. And Hopkins, for my money, I, I, I would feel as good going to war with that guy as my wide receiver as any guy in the league. Baller. And those two guys took over. It, it was really that simple. And Deshaun Watson, for as talented as is, uh, Josh Allen is, and when it comes to just athletic ability and just physical characteristics, he possesses it all. The size, the speed. He can make these throws across his body 30 yards down the field that are just like, geez, Louise. He's basically, I mean, he's like a, he's like a less accurate cam. Uh, he, he's a freak show. But he's also a roller coaster ride. And there was that stretch of plays where it's, you know, it's like second and ten. Then all of a sudden it's third and twenty-seven. Then he takes another sack. He he's a roller coaster, and then he's a young player. I actually think if I wasn't a big fan of him coming out, he's much better than I thought he would be. Uh, and if you're Buffalo, you still have a long way to go with him, but at least he's got something there. But Deshaun Watson, that, that that's what a star quarterback does, and he even took it to. I mean, that play he made where he bounces off the two guys, that's just, that's an incredible play. I mean, that's just, I've been watching football 30 plus years. You just don't see that very often. That's that's a freak show. Now, Bill O'Brien, not that big of a fan as a coach anymore. He's just, he's just pretty blah. He's pretty meh. 
And I, I think four and ten, they can carry you, but I, I think it's going to come to an end when they play the Chiefs. Uh, so it was it was an impressive. Houston was not playing well, and they pulled it out. JJ Watt, that sack kind of changed the game. Tennessee, New England. Derrick Henry's a stud. I mean, he was kicking their ass up and down the field. He looks like a defensive end, just toting the rock right between the tackles, outside the tackles, and screen plays. He's he's a monster. Talk about a guy that's made himself a lot of money. Uh, his fifth year option, I guess not a fifth year option because he wasn't a first round pick, but he's going to be. You know, they're going to franchise. They're going to have to. He's kind of their team. Ryan Tannehill, I know he threw for under 100 yards, but if they, probably the best move of the offseason, if they would not have, you know, doubled down and had a contingency plan for Marcus Mariota, who wasn't just bad, who was atrocious early on, and had Ryan Tannehill, they, they don't make the playoffs, let alone beat the New England Patriots. Ryan Tannehill for John Robinson, the general manager, what a move. Mike Vrabel then, outsmarting the Fox, that that was just the ultimate double middle fingers across the field. Like, Bill, I'm doing what you do to me. And you're so mad over there, and I'm taking these offsides, and I'm running the clock down to five minutes, and you're so angry. And I loved it when analytical Twitter, what was it, like fourth and two or fourth and four or fourth and one, whatever it was. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. It's 14 to 13 with six minutes left in the game. This is not random game in October. This isn't an Excel spreadsheet just uh, exercise. This is an NFL playoff game. The New England Patriots have 13 points. They can't move the football. And then he does his deal where he takes the offsides and he gets a couple more yards and he punts it and they get the ball back at like the 12 or 15. Someone tweeted at me, John, they only gained 25 yards. Well, yeah, guys, if they're playing Oklahoma or Joe Burrow or the 49ers, 25 yards isn't far. But have you watched the Patriot offense? 25 yards is a long way to go. It was 1 million percent the right decision for Vrabel, one, to run the clock down, and two, to punt, not go for it. You do not give them the ball at midfield, not with Tom Brady. I don't love kicking it to him either, but the circumstances of the game dictated they can't move the ball. That, that was That's not an opinion. That's a fact. Their offense was in shambles. Nikhil Harry can't get open. Edelman had a bad drop, and he's just old and kind of banged up. Their running backs are just kind of average. I actually think Brady was okay. But, God, that was just, Tennessee just beat them. I really think it was just that simple. They they did one thing really well, and that was Derrick Henry just nonstop over and over and over again. And the Patriots couldn't match that. I, I think that was really the end of the story. Derrick Henry was the best player on the field. Start to finish. Saints against the Vikings. Uh, you tip your hat to Kirk Cousins because I thought he was shaky the majority of the game. And luckily he didn't have to carry him because Dalvin Cook was killing him. But he made two huge throws down the stretch. The, the pass he made to Thielen and then anytime you have a walk-off touchdown pass, you tip your hat. That's For the $85 million, winning that playoff game wasn't worth it all. But that was probably worth about $40 million of it. Winning a, winning a playoff game against the Saints as an 8-point underdog when there wasn't a soul, not a soul outside that locker room that thought they would win the game. I, I would imagine the Minnesota Vikings fans listening, let's be honest, you, you guys didn't think you were winning either. You shouldn't have. I mean, the Saints are the first team in NFL history to go 13-3 and three or better and not advance the divisional round. The first team in NFL history. I'm driving around picking up dinner last night thinking, 
I thought the Saints all season long were a top two or three team in the league, and they just lost the Vikings at home in the first round of the playoffs. How does that happen? It's one thing to lose, and they lost in overtime. They were flat. They looked awful. What was Sean Payton doing? Why was Drew Brees throwing that ball up at the end of the half and throwing the t- uh, throwing the interception? What was going on? Brees looked old. They were playing so well down the stretch, and then to play a game like that. Now, sometimes you got to tip your hat to Mike Zimmer, one of the best defensive coaches in the league. Hunter, Griffin, Kendricks, Harrison Smith. I mean, these guys are premium players, and they got the best of the Saints. And this, the Saints kind of era is a little like the McCarthy era with Rodgers, where you go, God, we've had so much success, but we only have one Super Bowl to show. One Super Bowl the last 10 years. Think about that. Saints in 09, Packers the next year, and they got one Super Bowl between them. And they won so many games. They had so many top seeds, so many home playoff games. It hurts, man. I I, I feel for you as a Saints fan because you go, we've been, we've been winning so much, and we end up with this? It's kind of baffling. It really is. And Eagles-Seattle. One, I... There's a lot of talk on Twitter about the dirty hit. I don't think Clowney's a dirty player. Was it a dirty hit? I mean, yeah, you'd have to say it was a dirty hit. Carson Wentz, I was, I had money on the Eagles. That sucks, man. I mean, we got this far. He played fully healthy all season long. For him to get knocked out of that game, would the Eagles have won the game with Carson Wentz in there the whole time? I don't know. Uh, Because Seattle plays the same freaking game every week. The scores just changed. So maybe if Carson had been there, the score would have been 25-22 to 22 and they still win. I, I don't know. But I, I wanted to see Carson Wentz play a playoff game. Go toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson. And we got robbed of that because he got a concussion. And that, that just sucks. I thought Josh McCown did a admirable job. Russell Wilson just, you know, just finds a way to make plays. DK Metcalf, you know the one thing that stood out to me? is size, strength. We, we all know that, the picture on the internet. Two of his catches, uh, one earlier in the game where he caught a ball, they give him a touchdown, or maybe Marshawn scores the next play, maybe they called him down. I can't even remember. I got so much football running through my head. Down the, down the seam earlier in the game, he puts his hands out last second, a little like Randy Moss. So if you put your hands out early, I'm not a wide receiver coach, but it's just human physics. You have to kind of slow down. But if you can run full speed, this is why Randy Moss shot his hands up at the last possible second because you don't need to break stride. And you watch his ball skills. He shoots his hands out and he catches the ball perfectly. It's like, that is, that's impressive. And then the final completion of the game that that iced it for Seattle went on third down and the Eagles are calling timeouts. You're like, God, the Eagles are going to get the ball back. And they go for the kill shot. He beats the DBs, and instead of letting the ball come to him and maybe catch it in the bread basket, maybe they break it up, he does what you're taught to do. He high-pointed the ball because you had to assume the Eagles' DBs were going to jump too. They didn't. He high-pointed the ball, caught the ball at the highest point, and just a fantastic catch. Like, that guy's got ball skills. He may be a little limited in terms of his you know lateral movement, but he is a really, really skilled player. And listen, I I think the Packers should win this game going into it, but Seattle is just, they're like a roach. You just just can't kill them. You you really can. And a huge reason the culture Pete has and Russell and these plays that he made. And God, the DK Metcalf, what, what a draft pick. You know, there's a reason that quarterbacks get the girls, quarterbacks get all the fame, and quarterbacks get the most money. They're just more important. And it's... 
everyone acknowledges this at this point, right? It's not 1989 with Parcells screaming just like, we can get by with anybody. You need a star quarterback. We are two upsets away with the Vikings and the Titans from having Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson as our final eight quarterbacks. And I think we'd all say maybe Jimmy, Jimmy's played like a top eight guy the last month or two. But I, it's fair to say that he has. It's not really what he's, you know, first half of the season he definitely wasn't. But I believe Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and should just stabilize himself as one. Obviously, Rodgers and Russell, Hall of Famers. Breeze, Hall of Famer. Brady, Goat. Lamar, Watson, Mahomes, just the sweet young guys. This is a quarterback league. Now, Cousins outplayed Drew Brees. Uh, I, I wouldn't put him anywhere in this category, but he's lucky he's on a really good team. In Tannehill, and even think about this. Cousins and Tannehill, who, I mean, they didn't necessarily knock out Breeze and Brady, but definitely Cousins played a bigger role than Tannehill. But Tannehill is a big reason why the Titans are still around and are in the second round of the playoffs. That Jimmy Garoppolo paid you know $100 million, 70 guaranteed. Kirk Cousins got $85 million. Aaron Rodgers over 100. Russell Wilson over 100. Lamar Jackson going to get huge money. Tannehill was once a top pick who also got paid. Mahomes would be the highest paid player ever, and Deshaun Watson going to get a stupid amount of money. There's a reason why you trade up for quarterbacks. There is a reason you put all your chips in the middle of the table, like the Eagles did once upon a time for Carson Wentz. Because you have no shot with just average Joe. So if your guy... If you're going into this offseason and you can break down all you want about we need pass rushers, we need better corners, like we need better cover guys on special teams. If your quarterback is not a player who can consistently be a top 10 player. Now he doesn't need to be Tom Brady. He doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers. But he got has to be a guy that he should be considered a Pro Bowl type guy every single year. And Minnesota... They don't have that, but at least they kind of thought that they overpaid a guy. They wanted to get him in. They thought that he would take him to another level. Now, they've been a little disappointed, though. He's kind of earned his stripes with that win on Sunday. That's the whole point of this thing. Because I've been in these meetings where you're talking about free agency and all these other positions. If you don't have the quarterback, nothing else freaking matters. Nothing at all. When we talk about Mike McCarthy taking the job... One, he would have taken the Cowboys' job no matter what. But it makes it way more exciting for him going, I got Dak Prescott. And we can argue all day long where Dak Prescott falls in the hierarchy of things. He's still proven to be a pretty good quarterback in this league. You definitely can win, go to the playoffs with him playing quarterback for you. That's the problem Like when you look at some of these open jobs. You go, is Baker Mayfield that good? Because I'd say right now I'd have some serious concerns. The Carolina Panther job. Yeah, and listen, there's only 32 of these, so I understand it. You go, well, is Cam ever going to be the same? If we do cut Cam, what are we going to do? The Giants? What if I don't think Danny Dimes is that good? Because if you, that's the starting point. If you don't have it, it's you're just wasting time. So do you think that Bill O'Brien is glad that they traded up and got Deshaun Watson? Do you think Andy Reid's glad that they traded up and got Mahomes? Do you think John Harbaugh is glad that this Lamar Jackson situation has played out the way it has? Obviously, Rodgers and Russ, they've had forever. Think of what Ryan Tannehill has meant to the to the Tennessee Titans. No chance they're here with Mariota. I mean, they're not even in the playoffs. They're, they're not. Now, the Cousins thing, we could go back and forth of, you know, if they just would have kept Case Keenum, who knows? I I don't know. 
I, I, I don't really have an opinion there. Uh, I, I would say it'd probably be pretty similar, but maybe Cousins a little bit better. But the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, like, Kyle Shanahan, I, I text people with the Niners this all the time, like, you guys got to send Belichick thank you cards. Because once upon a time, three years ago, he sent you guys Jimmy Garoppolo at a pretty cheap price. Like, what would he have said? What would Kyle Shanahan said? Can we have your first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo? What he said? No. You know, he got a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be the starting quarterback for the next, I mean, at minimum six, seven years. So if you're if you're wasting time with a mid level quarterback, just go around the league. Like if you're Arizona right now, you hope Kyler can be the guy, and I like Kyler, but is he going to be a top six, seven guy in the league? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, if you're Tampa, it's probably the argument of, like, not worth franchising Jameis. You got Bruce Arians. Go draft a guy. Go develop a guy. Don't waste your cash on him. Don't do not do it. It's why I think some people are thinking, like, in Pittsburgh right now, what are we going to do? We got Roethlisberger coming back. Is he too old? He's too hurt. Cleveland. Well, is Baker Mayfield good enough? The Lions. Like, a staffer. Can he, is he old now? Can he stay healthy? Mr. Trubisky. We're screwed. Just, just go around the league. And you, that's where the Eagles, you know, it sucks. He got hurt. That was my response. It sucks. I wanted to watch Carson Wentz play a playoff game. But at least you know what? We got a dude. We got a dude. Now, yeah, we just, we got to protect him. And this year, he played 16 games. So I I do think, and that was a freak deal. He got his head slammed on the ground. Could have been Brady. Could have been Jimmy. Could have been anybody. It would have, you just would have got a concussion. Unless you're Julian Edelman. You just shake it off. Edelman shakes off concussions. Everyone else gets concussed. But this divisional round is really, I mean, great teams, big-time coaches, but this thing's being led by the best quarterbacks in the league. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Okay, let's talk about a couple different headlines around the NFL that I just want to hit on before we get into the Middlecoff mailbag. I I think we've known about that he was going to do this. It was kind of... I guess making the internet rounds a couple weeks ago that Wade Phillips would not be retained. Technically, his contract's up, and they didn't extend it. Now, here's the thing with Wade Phillips. One, he's just an accomplished defensive coordinator. So it's going to be very difficult for Sean McVay to upgrade. I I, I don't know what he's going to do. Kind of hope that he hires, like, Steve Belichick or something, but probably doubtful. Uh, Wade Phillips makes a lot of money. My my guess is he was probably making, like, $2.5 million for the Rams. It used, so, you know, in three years, he probably made about $7, 8000000 million. It, it might even be more. It might have been three because it, McVay really needed him. I, I thought once they got Jalen Ramsey, their defense was a lot better. Uh, they also fired their running back coach. I think Skip Pete. It's like, well, he was, he, was he a genius two years ago when Todd Gurley was running? Maybe it's Todd Gurley's knee. This is the bad part about the NFL. And I ha- I've had some friends who got fired in college. You just, you're not always fired because you're not a good coach. You know, a lot of it is just office politics and the NFL, the the owner, especially once you get high priced to like Wade Phillips level. is like, is this guy really worth paying all this money to? I, I don't know how they're going to upgrade. I, I There's a chance the Rams are just worse next year uh, with whoever their defensive coordinator is. Tua Tonga-Vailoa declared for the NFL draft. We don't really have that much clarity. I watched the press conference this morning about his injury because even he doesn't know. And as he said, I'm kind of taking a leap of faith. You have a better idea, I think, at the three-month mark with the hip. Uh, But there is no guarantee that he's going to be just 100%. So for me to make some declaration where he's going to go, if they can give him a a bill of health that says clean and he's going to be 100% by week one, he's going in the top five. Lock. Lock top five pick. Hell, he's the second quarterback off the board. He's going above Justin Herbert. But if there are question marks of, well, he might be okay in a year, or well, you know, he might never be the same, then it's just up in the air. And then a team is still going to draft him in the first round, but it would be a, I don't know, pretty big calculated risk. I hope he's going to be okay. He sounded in good spirits. Really impressive. I haven't really heard him talk that much. You can see why everyone in that program loves him. His tape speaks for himself. He's like a little Russell Wilson, uh, just an accurate down-the-field killer. 
He's not as mobile as Russell, but he's gonna. Here's the other thing: from a scouting perspective, he's got a legit red flag. Even if this hip is gonna be a 100, percent he's injured the ankles multiple times in college, and then had a hip injury. And it's not like he's a five-year player. He's played three years and couldn't make it through a full season this year, obviously, with the hip. And his freshman year, he didn't really play a full season because he was always alternating in and out with Jalen Hurts. So you really just have the one season where he was the full-time starter last year. And now thinking about it, remember, he got hurt, I think, in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Jalen Hurts came in, won the game, then they ended up going to the national championship where they lost. But he's been hurt in games, both the sophomore and obviously this year. So he's going to be an interesting prospect. That, you know, even if he does get the full clean bill of health, just in the sense that he's had a lot of injuries over the years. Uh, the Browns are just interviewing everybody. Clearly, they it feels like they want Josh McDaniels. It feels like Josh McDaniels is going to have his pick of the litter, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Browns, whether it's the Carolina Panthers. It's kind of going to be up to him. I If I had to guess right now, uh, I would say that he ends up with the Carolina Panthers if he leaves. You know, is he going to go to the New York Giants? Dave Gettleman, no chance. The Browns, while they have talent, is he going to go work for P- D. Podesta and Jimmy Haslam? That, that would be my question mark. If I was ranking it, I would probably go Panthers one just because he can get a clean slate, do it all himself. I know they kept Marty Herney, but I, I think Josh, if he wants Marty Herney out, that Dave Tepper would fire him. The Haslam and then probably the Giants last if they're going to keep Gettleman. The Patriots, I, I saw another thing on the ticker right now. I got a Louisiana, Miami of Ohio game on in the background that the Saints, excuse me, Eagles, Seattle was the highest rated game since the Super Bowl. Uh, the Patriot game did about 30 million people. I, it just the, the NFL is really the only place that can generate that many people at one time watching one event. It's live sports, but it's specifically the NFL. Like the NBA can't do that, baseball can't do that, uh, Tiger Woods can't do that. It's just that and like an election. That's that's the power of the NFL. That's why these guys are printing money. So thank you, Russell Wilson. Thank you, Tom Brady. Thank everyone for watching. So I have a job. Uh, it's cool to see the power of the NFL, which is just rolling right now. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. Dive right in. Tom, podcast. Where do you see sports data analysts going in professional football, and do you think it will work in the NFL? It seems like the NFL is slightly behind basketball and Major League Baseball in terms of data movement. I'm particularly interested in how you as a former scout feel about when analyzing potential prospects or trade acquisitions. Is it a tool that helps or something that trumps the gut instinct? Seems like sometimes there's tension between data, data analysts and scouting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I say it all the time, I, I think numbers have been a huge part of football forever. From speed to weight to production to even the in-depth analysts. Like analyzing different individuals at the combine. Like numbers are a huge part of any what any scout or front office does. I, I think there's some, some you know, you know, push and pull, I would say, with some of the in-game stuff, always going forward on fourth down, some of that type stuff, I, I think can be argued. My, my, I said this last podcast, my question always is, why can't the data people ever admit they're wrong? And they would just say, well, because the numbers say it's right. And say, well, you went for two there and it didn't work. You went for it on fourth down. And I heard Mike Vrabel was an idiot for punting. He won the game. 
Uh, but yeah, in terms of players, yards after catch, any in-depth numbers that you can give me that I don't have readily available, why, why wouldn't you take it? But this notion that just you can determine a player, here's the difference. Like toughness in baseball doesn't matter as much. In football, you have to be able to have toughness and grit and determination. Like that's what separates football players. Or in baseball, it's just like a bunch of individual, it's like a stock market of just individual players. Where ultimately all sports are, but in football, when analyzing a player, in just in terms of toughness and, and willpower, especially like in the trenches, there are just stuff that are hard to quantify and I think are unquantifiable. Like, is everything quantifiable with Tom Brady? I'd say no, not even close. Now, you can tell his height and his arm strength and his completion percentage. What makes Tom Brady great? Like his just discipline, his willingness to do whatever it takes. As he said on Tom first time, if you're going to beat me, you better be willing to go every step of the way because I've dedicated my life to this. My eating habits, my sleeping habits, my film habits. You ain't going to outwork me. I, I've given up. I've given up ice cream. <laughs> he did. I wouldn't give up ice cream for football. Love the pod. I'm 24 year old Lions fan, so I have never seen them win a playoff game. Damn. I know you feel about their dysfunction as an organization, but could you create a reality where that happens next season other than all the other NFC North teams shit in the bed? How would you handle the third pick, and is there a possible free agent for them to target to make this fairy tale universe a reality? I think the roster is decent enough, I would agree, to complete, but Patricia is a joke. Would love to hear your thoughts and continue doing your thing in 2020. Thanks. Well, I would say at the third overall pick, with Tua coming out is a good thing for the Lions. Assuming Stafford's healthy, and I think I saw him claim a couple weeks ago, maybe it was less than that, he's fine. Or his back's going to be fine. They do have some pieces. Offensively, the running back from Auburn, Johnson, the wide receivers they have, Hawkinson, if Stafford's healthy, their offense is really good. Defensively, they got to get a lot better. I mean, they traded their starting safety to the Seattle Seahawks, who's good. Uh, they Trey Flowers, solid player. A little overpaid, but I think you could potentially trade back down, you know, three or four spots to someone who wants a quarterback, get multiple ones, and really kind of, uh, you know, just add to the war chest. Because you guys need a lot of talent, especially on defense. Now you could say, Patricia's a defensive coach. Shouldn't he be able to figure that out? And in theory, he should. But when you look back at his time with the Patriots, the Patriots' defense got a lot better the year he left, and then it was good again this year. When he was there, it wasn't ever as good. Is there a little fraudulent characteristic to him? You know, I I think it could be argued, but then you'd go, well, you think Belichick would just let some fraud be around him? You'd say probably not. I mean, the guy's really smart, and I think he works really hard, but is he that dynamic of a coach? I don't know. I I, I think that's going to be your problem is because they were in a lot of games early before they lost a bunch of injured guys because their offense, they could really score, but he's got nothing to do with the offense. I just think they he's just the wrong guy. How do you think the Rams are going to handle their cap space issues? We have Goff, Gurley, Donald, and Cooks hitting heavy against the cap, and now Jalen Ramsey needs to be signed. We also have at least six key defensive players to sign, including Dante Fowler, Littleton, and Roby Coleman. I just don't know how you build your team around having five guys accounting for 50% of the salary cap. And the salary cap is $200 million. And even Ramsey on his fifth-year option to go with the other four guys is almost $100 million. 
the salary cap's $200 million, so you can't afford to have many like 10 to $15 million guys. I, I, I think they are majorly screwed because of Gurley's contract. They're paying him a lot, and he's not he's just not physically able to do it. And you got Jared Goff, who was overpaid, and he's if you're going to make $110 million, you have to play like Russell Wilson. You have to play like Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. You, you, you can't play like Jared Goff. Like, you got to be able to carry me. And it's hard for him to carry anyone because he can't get away from pass rushers because his offensive line is not very good. Well, what do offensive linemen usually cost? A lot of money. You either got to draft them high. Well, they don't have first-round picks. And they don't have much money to spend. So you're going to have to draft and develop. This is going to be a really, really challenging year for Sean McVay. Because like you just listed those guys, like why wouldn't the Chiefs offer Littleton some money? All these teams around the league are going to want Littleton. Roby's a really good nickel corner. When do you want a guy like him? These guys are going to get paid. And they're going to get offered because the way it works in free agency is when you hit the open market, it drives up the price because you've got multiple teams bidding at you and they're not going to be able to bid just because they're going to have a limit on how much they can spend. It'd be, you know, a guy like Stan Kroenke would probably love, I guess in theory, I mean, a lot of people say they would, but they wouldn't actually spend it. And, you know, no salary cap, but there is a salary cap. That's the rules. Why aren't people talking about Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels or the Panthers? They have a new aggressive owner with a solid defense and a plethora of offensive pieces for them to work with. Well, I could like I, I do think Josh McDaniels might end up there. I just have a hard time thinking Tom Brady's going to play for the Carolina Panthers. Now, as someone in the league told me a while back, Tom, you know Joe Montana played for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Brett Favre played for the Minnesota Vikings. Guys, just no one saw that coming. So I, I will not discount it. I still will be shocked if Tom Brady goes to a team like a small market. And I know Carolina is actually a growing market, but you, you know what I mean. You know, not like a blue blood, huge top three or four market in the country. But it does make sense from a football perspective for Tom to go with Josh. So, yeah, I don't. It's a tough call. I, 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 you know, they got McCaffrey, they got DJ Moore, they got Samuel. You're right, they do got some weapons, and defensively they got some pieces. It's not crazy. Maybe I just convinced myself. Maybe he does go there. Maybe he's a Carolina Tom Brady's a Carolina Panther. It's hard to even say that out loud. Hi, John. How significant are the differences in state income tax affecting the teams in the context of free agency? The issue gets referred to in passing from time to time, but surely it's a major obstacle to the league providing teams with a level playing field. If the league is serious about uh, equality of opportunity for all teams, should they not base the cap on post-tax, i.e. take-home salary? My understanding is that it is instead based on pre-tax salary. But I may be wrong. Love the podcast. Yeah, I think it's a complicated matter. Uh, I, I don't think it's incumbent on the league to do that. You know, I mean, it doesn't work that way in society, right? If, if Facebook wants to make a competitive offer to a guy that's working in Texas... You got to overpay. You want to get to the 49ers? Maybe they have to overpay. I've never been offered millions of dollars, and I've lived in California and made a pretty good living. So it definitely impacts, but there's a reason you pay more to be in San Francisco. It's a bigger market. There's more money to be made here. Same with LA. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of these professional athletes have homes in LA. They, they suck it up. Same with New York. Like there, there is more business to be done here. Now, you can go play for Jacksonville or Tampa, and yeah, you might get some more salary. How are the businesses around there? promise you they ain't like they are here or L.A. 
Now, Dallas is the perfect combo of it both. No state income tax, massive market, massive brand. That's where I'd go. But I listen, if someone's offering you, if the Niners offer someone a competitive offer and you can play for the Niners, there's so much money to be made around here. I, I think they can land guys. Now, in baseball, I've seen the Giants come up short with a lot of people. Now, it's hard to tell if they're just, they want to be talked about like they're in the mix, even though they don't actually want to pay the guys. But it's cost them a little bit. I just, I don't know. It's a good question. I think it's a little overblown, but if all things are equal, you know, like this offseason, let's say this. You're a free agent, and the 49ers offer you $10 million, the Raiders offer you $10 million, and the Houston Texans offer you $10 million. And you're a, you're a cornerback. You could start a corner for any of the three teams. Is it just strictly like where you can win? Like, what are your priorities? You want to win? You go to Vegas and hang out? You probably aren't going to go to the playoffs because the Raiders never go to the playoffs. Texans, yeah, you might go to the playoffs. You might be one and done. Or hell, let's say the 49ers, you know, go to the Super Bowl this year. And you go, I might be the missing piece to get a championship. But I'm going to make the least amount of income from the 49ers. Now, also professional sports... On 16 games, you don't get 16 games California tax because you play some games out of state. So it's it's a little complicated. I, I'd actually actually need to ask people in the league exactly how that works. But it's not like a black and white. You get all your tax from California when you play in like Arizona. You're taxed the Arizona rate. Uh, I've been a Dolphins fan my whole life, and it's pretty miserable up to this point. I'm only 24. But I'm actually liking the spot we're in right now. I'm loving Coach Flores, no-nonsense guy who wants to win. This draft is obviously huge for the team, and I was curious your thoughts. Obviously, I'm thinking a quarterback with the number five pick, but who do you think they should do with the other three picks, the other three first-round picks they have? They got three first-round picks? Well, I guess they only got two other ones this year, from Minka and Tunzel. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think you take Tua or Herbert at number five. Probably Herbert, because you might have to trade up. Like, if you want Tua, you might have to trade up to number three with the Lions to get Tua, which I think that's the move. So you let Joe Burrow go one, you let Chase Young go two, and you trade up to number three, and, and you get Tua. That, 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 to me, is the play. And then with your other picks, just take sweet players. You're going to need some offensive linemen. You're going to need DBs. I mean, you traded these guys. I haven't seen much of it beside it came across the ticker like a week ago, Xavier and, Xavier and Howard. Your guy's best corner. Did he did he get arrested for hitting his girlfriend or wife? So that might be game over for that dude. Uh, I, I would say the number one thing you need to do is land a quarterback. And Fitzpatrick did an incredible job this year given what they had. But they, they need to get a Tua or Herbert, whoever you like more, and then just take best player available with the other two picks. That, that, that to me is the key. It load up on the talent. Load up on the talent. Appreciate everyone listening. Thanks for reaching out. Middlecoff mailbag, always wide open to you guys. And enjoy the week talk to you soon see ya
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.